Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for a chance to be in your house and to worship you. Thank you for the incredible grace that you offer us and the love that you fill us with. We thank you for brothers and sisters who have come to worship with us. We ask, Father, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives as we lift your name and as we worship you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You ever go to a church that you just really love? Uh, that you, you just, you know, you, you can't wait to go back? The early church, I think, was that way. And I'll tell you why it was that way. Because you see, when they came together, they were ready to share with one another. They loved each other so much that if anybody had any need, they made sure that need was covered. And they just had generous hearts. And, and there was one guy in particular, his name was Barnabas. He was the type of guy you like to hang around, you know? He, he's the type of guy always encouraging, always, you know, wanting... Uh, my... Uh, my older two children have uh, had a grandmother. She's gone to be with the Lord now. We call her Nani. And Nani was great because Nani always told you how beautiful you were, how special you were. And, and you just couldn't wait to see Nani because you knew. And if you had any, any need, Nani was there, man. She was always there. That's the way Barnabas was. That's the kind of church that, that we want to be, right? And, and I praise God for this church. I mean, this church is one of the most generous churches. I love, and so I, I was reading again this week, getting ready for today, and I thought, God, why didn't you have me preach on that part of the story? But God laid on my heart this part of the story, which is very different. So you see, Barnabas had sold some property, and he'd taken the money, and he'd given it to the church, and he said, man, if anybody has a need, make sure that need's covered. He wasn't communist. He just wanted to share. That's, that was his heart. And then we come to chapter 5, verse 1 of the book of Acts. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. The young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. 
great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Pray together. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to open your word now and to listen for your voice. We ask that you'd speak to us, speak in us. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. And so, Lord, we wait upon you and we call upon you. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, I'm assuming there's children's church today. Is there children's church today? Does anybody know? <laughs> Tony's out. Yeah. Do you know? Okay. I believe there's children's church, so you can go with Pastor Dan and... Uh, and head right on out. Sarah, you got to stay. Sorry. I saw Sarah. I said, there's children's church. Sarah got up. <laughs> uh, we've been looking at the book of Acts. Um, we started last week talking about um, the acts of God. And, and just a reminder that when you read the book of Acts, and I encourage you as we go through it to, to read it, read ahead even. I, I like people who read ahead. Uh, when I teach class and students read ahead, that always makes me feel good. Like they actually really want to know what the material's all about. And so uh, I encourage you to read through the book of Acts. Just keep reading back and forth uh, through it. Uh, and what I want you to hear as you read through it, is, uh, and what I hope that you realize, is that the book of Acts is about ordinary people through whom God does incredible things. So it's not the acts of the apostles, as if the apostles did these incredible things on their own. Rather, it's the acts of the apostles who were normal fishermen or tax collectors or, or just construction workers, people like you and I, uh, normal folk, through whom God did incredible things. And because of that, when we read the book of Acts, we can say, hey, uh, when, when I am in the presence of God and when God begins to work through me, incredible things are going to happen. And if you start believing that and start living like that, you'll begin to see God do great things. And it's exciting to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're not excited being a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not be following very closely. I encourage you to move to the head of the line. Get as close as you can because as you walk closely with Him, you'll begin to see Him do uh, great things in your life. This morning, uh, well, last week we talked about the act of God being beauty, how He creates beauty, and how He creates beauty by transforming life. And He has transformed our lives. If we've opened our hearts to Him, He's transformed us. He's, he's begun to create us into what He wants us to be. And it's beautiful. And it's great. And this morning, I want us to look at fear. Now, I've been thinking about all the things we're afraid of, um, and some people have this weird uh, set in their head. They like fear. Do you know people that like that? They, they love roller coasters. I mean, Dan Cass, he just loves those roller coasters. Can't wait to go up. We got video of it. It's great. Uh, and yeah, I mean, what is wrong with people? They, they want to be afraid. And, and then, of course, we're coming up on that 
wonderful uh, season where horror flicks are now, I, I don't know if you noticed, some of the newest movies out are horror flicks uh, so that people can get scared to death and not sleep for three nights uh, because there's something, I think there's something wrong with them. They, they, they want to be scared. And there is something about that, right? It gets your adrenaline going. And, um, but, but we really don't like to be afraid, do we? Uh, I'm I just thinking of all the things we're afraid of uh, this last week. And boy, we've got a lot to be, uh, there's a lot of things that could cause us to be afraid, right? I mean, you know, just yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before? I lose track of time. Lots been going on. Uh, the bombing in London, the terrorist attack. And I know a lot of people are afraid, what, you know, and there was the shooting in the school in Washington. And boy, that just builds fear. I, I can't help it. Even that builds fear in me. My kids aren't even in school anymore. But I always wondered what, what would that be like to have to run to the school and hope and pray that your kid was okay and the fear that that would build in your life and in your heart. And then, of course, there's South Korea and there's all that fear. And, and, and then add on top of that, you know, we had hurricanes and there are more on the way. There's always more on the way, Kenny. That's right. There's always something to be afraid of, right? And fear begins to build and build in our lives. And I don't believe God wants us to live in fear. As a matter of fact, the Scripture is very clear that God's desire for us is not to live in fear. However, God's desire is for us to fear Him. And I want to be very clear about what that means as we walk through this morning's passage because what we see in this morning's passage is God doing some incredible things in a church and all of a sudden there's this, this I won't say conflict, but there's this uh, moment where this couple are, are all of a sudden dead in church. Now, some of you fall asleep, but I'm praying none of you keel over. I'm not sure how I'd deal with that. Uh, and, and I, you know, I guess, you know, like Peter, I find some young guys, drag you out. <laughs> Cemetery's right there. We'll take care of it. Uh, well, <laughs> you don't think I'd be that nonchalant? No, I don't think so either. I, I can't imagine what was, that was like. And, and I can't imagine why the, the people there were seized with fear. But I want to stop a minute because I'm not sure that fear is what God had in mind in the church. I don't think God brought you here so that you would be afraid. I think God brought you here so that you could get to know Him and by knowing Him no longer have to be afraid. You with me? So if we really get to know Jesus then we get to know who He is in His grace and in His mercy and His love. And because of that, then we understand that He has grace, mercy, and love upon us. And even though He's the just God, because we have come to Him with love and with, with uh, repentance, He comes to us with love and repentance. And when we begin to do that, then the fear of the Lord becomes what Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom. You see, what, what coming to the Lord Jesus does is it reminds us of how powerful He is. And as we understand how powerful He is, 
and how full His grace and mercy is upon us, then we understand that that power is brought to us for our good. I'm somewhat afraid of electricity. I don't know about you, but I know electricity can do some pretty nasty things. My dad was not afraid of electricity. Not at all. My dad would redo the, the electrical system in our house without turning off a breaker. Okay? Now, I don't want to go near anything electrical with it alive. But my dad, he had it all on. And when, when he went in the hospital uh, one time with a heart attack, uh, I, I, we lost power in the bathroom. And, and so I called a guy from the church because I am afraid of electricity. And so the guy comes, and he, was, he worked for the power company, so he understood electricity, and he starts looking at our house. And my dad had about two junction boxes in the whole house, and he had about 15 wires crammed into each one. I mean, it was so crammed. Of course, what happened was, and of course, he didn't use wire nuts, he used electrical tape. Okay, so all these, of course, what had happened was uh, one piece of electrical tape had started to come off and it had touched another wire which had blew the whole system, which is why we didn't have power in the bathroom. My dad was not afraid of that power. I believe he respected it, maybe not enough. But the electricity in your home can do incredible things and can make your home an incredible place. It makes it warm in the winter, cool in the summer. It gives you an opportunity to actually uh, shower and use the toilet. I mean, it's good stuff, this electricity. But you have to know its power. And if you use it correctly, if you have the right relationship with electricity, it's incredible. If you have the wrong relationship with electricity, you will find your head fried. It scared me one one time. I I tried to put together uh, a science project for one of my children. You know how that works? She had worked hard at it. Well, we had worked hard. Okay, I worked really hard at it. And I couldn't get, it was electric motor. I thought it was cool. I had made one in my science project when I was a kid. I thought this was really cool. We made this electric motor. And I, I put the wires on it, and it wouldn't turn. I said, this makes no sense. So I thought, well, I know the Bartlett's know everything about electricity because they're crazy with it. So we went over to Mike Bartlett's house. And we had, we hooked up the battery, and we tried it. It didn't work, didn't work. Mike says, the problem is you don't have enough power. Needs more power. That's what he said. Now, does this sound familiar? So, so we go over. He says, let's try it over here. And he walks over to the plug, and he takes two bare wires, and he shoves it into the plug. Kaboom! I was like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Uh, uh, it did not, and it didn't even go. 
come to find out I had the wires turned wrong on one of the one of the arms so it wouldn't it wouldn't turn if you know something about electricity that will make sense to you the point being is that you know our our god is an awesome god he has incredible power and if you have a relationship with him that power is at your disposal and god works through you in incredible and powerful ways if however you do not have a relationship with jesus christ it's like sticking your fingers into a socket um, with bare wires in your hand and that power will will come upon you in such a way that it will hurt you and you will destroy yourself listen very carefully if you try to approach god without the love of jesus christ and the grace of him of jesus christ in your life god's power will overwhelm you and i want to suggest to you that's exactly what happened in our scripture lesson this morning You see, it's not that God was out looking to kill somebody. And it's not that God is an evil, wicked God. It's that God has incredible power. And the way you approach that power will affect how your life unfolds. You see, Ananias and Sapphira, I, I love this. I love this. There's actually a video, The Grim Tale of Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> I'm like, right on. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, they're going to this church, but obviously they don't have the relationship with God that they need to have, right? And they come to this church and they see everybody look at Barnabas and say, hey, isn't Barnabas an awesome person? And they even said in their lives, we want to be an awesome people, we want to be awesome people like Barnabas is. And so they think, well, we'll sell some property. But as they look at their property, they think, well, but we don't want to give it all away. Uh, we're going to hold some back. And, and maybe we can be seen like Barnabas, generous, giving. But see, the problem was their heart wasn't generous and giving. They were jealous of Barnabas. Barnabas got all the attention. It wasn't fair. Why does Barnabas get all that love and grace and mercy when when we come to church, people look at us kind of funny? Maybe. Maybe people will like us if we do like Barnabas. You see, they wanted to do that without changing what was inside. They just wanted to change the outside. And when the inside's dirty, even if the outside looks good, it's very dangerous. This picture here has a piece of wood, and and it looks like it holds up probably a, a, a porch roof. And the problem is it looks good on the outside, but when you take the wood off, you begin to see that it's all rotten on the inside. The problem is if you allow that to continue, what will happen is the whole thing will come down. And there's a lot of people living for the outside, trying to look good on the outside. Maybe you came this morning because you want to look good. You want people to think you're a good person. I go to church. I want you to know that if you're looking good on the outside and you're still dirty on the inside, still ugly on the inside, you're still ugly. The Lord is looking at you and He sees beyond the outside. And what the Scripture says, you may remember, uh, when, uh, when Samuel was looking for the next king, 
he, he saw the brothers and he thought, oh, they, they all look great. And, and then he looked at the one God was calling and he's like, this is not the right person. And God said this, do not consider his appearance or his height. Isn't that good for you short people? Don't worry about your height, right? Do not worry about, or do not consider his appearance or his height. For I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at what? The outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. That's why when Ananias comes forward with his gift, Peter looks at him and says, Ananias, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart with the ugliness? Why not open your heart to the one who can clean that ugliness out and make you pure within so that what you do is a result of who you are, not who you've become? That's what's awesome about giving your life to Jesus. You see, you don't have to live a lie anymore. You can live what's inside out because Jesus has transformed what's inside. Ananias comes forward. And because of the ugliness of his heart, and because that ugliness is revealed, he falls over dead. Now, I want to be very clear about something. I want you to look at that verse 5 with me a minute. And I know you don't have your Bibles open because you just read it on the overhead. But I want, I want you to pay close attention to verse 5. There, I helped you out. Listen to what it says. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Now, I've heard people say that when Ananias heard this, God struck him dead. Is that what it says? It's not what it says at all, is it? It says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Our God is a God of life. What happens is Ananias' ugliness is finally revealed. And it's revealed in front of everybody. And I want you to think about that. How does that feel when your ugliness gets revealed? When your lie gets revealed? When the things you've been doing that are wrong are finally brought into the light? How does that feel? I hear people say, I could have died. I got called out this last week or two weeks ago now, I guess it was, went to visit Pastor Paul. And Paul was talking, and he was talking softly, and there were all kinds of machines, and, and I was talking with him and nodding my head and saying, yeah, yeah. John LeVan calls me up. He says, you couldn't understand my dad at all, could you? I said, you're right. I could have died. How do you know? I said yes. I responded. You see, when our ugliness begins to be revealed, then it gets really ugly in front of everybody. And all of a sudden, we have to make a choice. What are we going to do? Now that this ugliness is out in the open, you see, you can put on your pretense before me, but Jesus sees you right now just for who you are. He sees the ugliness inside. And what He wants to do is He wants to make it pure, make it holy, and get rid of all that rot in your life. But you see, He's waiting for you to make a choice. He wants you to stop living the lie. 
He wants you to choose to follow him. Football season has started, for those of you who don't know. And I, I was thinking about uh, some of the football players I watched play uh, last week. And I started thinking about, what if? What if they decided they were only going to play halfway? I, I'm not going to give it my all this week. You know, it's been a hard week. I, I'm not going to give my all. I'm, I'm going to give part. Just part. And they get out on the playing field. Maybe they're a running back. And they're out on the playing field. And, and so they get the call. They're going to be the one who's going to run the ball. And the quarterback turns, hands them the ball. They take it, and they begin to walk towards the line. And they get about three feet in, and they get slammed. And the next play, they get the call again. They hand him the ball. He stands there. He looks around. Yeah, I'll take a step here. Guy coming at him, take a step here. Boom. He's done. I can tell you what will happen. The next play, he'll be sitting on the bench. You know why? Because he didn't give his all. He only gave a little bit. And coaches watch. I used to coach. Coaches watch. And if you're not giving your all, then you're going to sit on the bench. Because if you want to play the game, you've got to give all that you've got. You see, Ananias wanted to give just enough so he might look good on the playing field. God says, no, I want your all. I want it all. I want you to be sold out for me. People used to say, you know, God is my co-pilot. I can't imagine that God thought very highly of that. You see, God doesn't want to sit in the second seat. God wants to sit in the first seat. You get to sit in the back seat and go where He leads. When I was in the Air Force, ROTC, they told me that my eyes weren't good enough to be the pilot. But they said, look, you'll want to stand because you can be the navigator. I said, why would I want to do that? I wanted to fly. They said, because if you're the navigator, you tell the pilot where to go. And I said, yeah. And I've spent time with these guys, and they don't pay any attention to me now. And I'd hate to be in the back of a plane, tell them where to go, and find out they're going to go wherever they want to go anyway. Because why? They're flying the plane. God wants to fly your plane, you see. He wants you to be sold out for Him. So sold out for Him that He's in charge. He's making the decision. You're going where He wants you to go. Not where you want to go, but where He's calling you. You have to make a choice. Poor Sapphira. If you want to ask me, the saddest part of this story is Sapphira. Now, I know a lot of you guys are going to give her, uh, you know, you, you don't give her a break. But I, I got to give her a break. This poor lady's in a tough spot, don't you think? She's got to decide. Is she going to stay with the lie? She doesn't know her husband just died. Can you imagine? Holy cow. Nobody told her? She's got to decide. Is she going to stay with the lie? Or is she going to tell the truth? Which is she going to do? And she stands there. And Peter says, well, what are you going to do? What's your choice? And there's all kinds of pressure for her to maintain the lie. Because she thinks, what would my husband think if I stand against him? She stops there and she thinks of all the pressure. Everybody thinks we did a good thing by giving this. What are they going to think if I tell them that's not the full price? They're going to think we're not good people and we've done a lot of work trying to look good. 
And you know what? God gives us the exact same choice. And the pressure is hard. It's fun to say and, and to, to make excuses and to push our guilt away. But the truth of the matter is we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We all have that ugliness in our lives. And what Jesus calls us to do is to confess that, to choose to confess that, and to turn from that and allow Him to work in our lives. He's calling us to be sold out follow Him, to give Him our all. You see, it's not enough just to stop living the lie. You've got to start living the truth. And I wish Sapphira would have said, you know, I've got to tell you, it's not true. It wasn't the whole price. We lied. And I'm sorry. You know what would have happened then? The church would have, Peter would have taken her by the hand. He would have said, you know, we all have sinned. We've all blown it. That's why everybody else was afraid, right? You with me? I read this passage, I'm afraid because there have been times I've lied. There have been times I've done wrong things. And I'm thinking if if they died because they did something wrong, what's going to happen to me? And the good news is that God says, if you, if you confess your sin, He will forgive you. And He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you understand it's your choice. You get to choose. Are you going to live a life that's full and exciting, that's full of truth? It may not be the easiest life, but it will be filled with adventure and joy, and grace, and love, or are you going to choose to live the lie? Say, hey, I think I can be good enough. I know I've done some things wrong, but God certainly wouldn't care about that. God does care about that. And He sees that ugliness, and He's calling you to simply confess that before Him, that He might give you life, and life more abundant even. The choice is yours. So choose to be sold out for Jesus. Watch what He could do in your life. I wish this story ended differently, but it doesn't. It ends with the church, with all those there being afraid. And they need not be afraid. You know why? Because the Almighty God has given them an opportunity to receive His forgiveness and His grace. To have that relationship with Him so that they not, need not be afraid of His power, but that His power might be at work in them. You see, He, he took away that ugliness. He paid the price for that ugliness. Isaiah tells us that there was nothing about His appearance that would draw us to Him. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says His, his appearance was disfigured, and certainly it was by the cross. You see, He took our ugliness so that we could be beautiful. So that we could no longer live in fear, but that we could live in love. That we could live a victorious life. I love this picture. I, I hope this is your goal. That you will continue to walk with Christ so that Christ would do incredible things in you. you should have, we, I wanted to have a cape for everybody this morning. To go out saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be sold out for Jesus. I believe He's going to do great things 
in my life because he is the almighty God for whom nothing is impossible. And if he's at work in your life, you no longer have to fake it. You can face it. Because he offers you that forgiveness. You see, the problem was Ananias and Sapphira wanted to continue to fake it. And the more you fake it, the more your life becomes destroyed. When you start to face it, Jesus begins to cleanse you and give you life. It's time to stop pretending. It's time to put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask Him to take that ugliness away because when you do, there is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, the church didn't get it yet. They were afraid. What was going to happen next? What was going to happen to them? Instead of saying, because of the grace of God, I will have life, and that power will be revealed in and through me to a world that's lost. It's time to live in grace. Live in that power and watch God work. What are you afraid of? I just want to know, what are you afraid of? And then I want to ask you this question. Is God greater than your fear? And if so, could He not work in and through you despite your fear? And perhaps even drive it away? Some of you are afraid of your relationships. Some of you are afraid of losing your jobs. We've got a lot of people whose jobs are on the line. And you're afraid, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Let me, let me call you to trust in God. Put your trust in Him. Let Him take the ugliness away from your life and to give you perfect peace, knowing that He has a place for you. God hasn't forgotten you. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on in your job. And He's got tomorrow all taken care of. He just wants you to live for Him today. Ask Him to take away the ugliness and begin to work in you in a powerful way. Would you be willing to do that today? Are you going to keep playing the game and watch your life get more and more destroyed? Jesus doesn't want you to have a deadly life. He wants you to live life. And it could start today. You'd say yes to Him. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank You that You came to take our punishment, that You came to die in our place so that we could actually live. So that we could actually live a life filled with Your power and Your grace that Your power could be at work in our lives such as that we could see other lives transformed by Your grace and by Your love. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for all those times when we allow the ugliness in our lives to stand between You and us rather than asking You to forgive us that we might be used in a powerful way by You. Lord Jesus, take away the threat of death in our lives. Fill us with Your Spirit that we might stand firm for You and watch You do incredible things. Lord, we lift up to You our, our friends who came this morning to hear Your Word. And they may have come because they were invited or, or just happened to be, be coming by and they think 
that somehow they just stepped in here uh, by chance. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit brought them here. And we pray that you would press upon them. That they would hear how much you love them. That you were willing to die for them. Take their punishment. That when their ugliness comes out into the open, it can be washed away by your, your love and your grace. And they no longer have to carry that around. But they could carry your spirit and your power with them. That they might be used in incredible ways by you. Thank you, Lord, that you offer us that gift. And we offer our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.